all the time here at FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome to the Euro Show here on a Monday night. It's Nick Tobato here with Josh Parrish. We're doing things a little bit on the fly. We had this intro lined up in the queue and it didn't even play. So luckily enough, I had YouTube wrapped in the background. And, and I uh, think you managed to get the uh, watermark version. Yes, I did. So definitely <laughs> we're going to have to work on that for next time. But hey, good vibes. Bakura, our producer, said this is so depressing. It, but in, in reality, I think it just sounds nice. I think it's a lament for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's departure from Maybe Manchester it's just United. Fitting. It's just fitting. <laughs> um, big show today planned. Uh, we're obviously going to cap off all the things that happened on the weekend. Start off with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's departure from Manchester United. Xavi's first game at Barcelona. City, our title race has been completely blown open. But at 7.30, we'll be joined by BBC Scotland's Chris McLaughlin to dive into all things Scottish football, uh, especially with the goings-on with Celtic. Ange Postacoglu, Martin Boyle booking a, a date against Ange in the Scottish League Cup final. And might even duck into Rangers and see what's going on there after Stevie G was uh was well he didn't get the ass he actually decided to move yeah. on and now it's the Giovanni Van Bronckhorst era and if also, anything he gave Rangers the ass he sure did and he's Bye. gone to the Aston Villa and he's headed off uh obviously the down Aston to the, villains the villains yeah he's a bit of a the Aston now, Villa villains yes yeah, that's it say. yes <laughs> I'm so like I, whenever I hear West Ham now and I hear the West Ham Hammers it, it almost has become <laughs> sort of second nature to just call them the West Ham Hammers um and then later on in the show we'll Dive into all things UEFA for Champions League. The fifth match day. We're getting towards the end of the group stage. Some exciting fixtures throughout all eight groups. But Josh, let's start off with the big news from the weekend. Usually we'd save this for the Premier League, the EPL show on Wednesday night mm-hmm. with Nick Hughes. Um, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has moved on um, after their 4-1 thrashing at Vicarage Road against Watford. Claudio Ranieri came, he saw and he conquered. And he was the one to drive the dagger in the heart of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, and it looked like he had a dagger driven right through his heart when Manchester United released a sit-down interview with him. It made us all feel quite bad mm. to an extent, just seeing Ole oh so emotional. Um, but they did announce that Michael Carrick will become the interim manager now for the next couple of weeks, and then they'll hire an interim boss till the end of the season. Feels like deja vu yet again. And then they'll bring in someone on a permanent basis at the end of the season. They almost went my headphones. But Josh, as our resident Manchester United fan... Um, how how have you sort of summed up the past 24 hours and I guess really the Oligona Solskjaer era as a whole? Uh, well, if you were watching the National Curriculum last night, you would have seen my reaction to the news breaking live. I actually did fist pump, um, <laughs> which yeah, makes me feel a little bit bad in retrospect. But uh, look, Oligona Solskjaer is a Manchester United fan uh, and you could see it in his eyes. You could see it in his interview, his exit interview, but there's... A bit of me that's cynical about this, that it is uh, kind of sums up the entire Solskjaer regime as, and his reign as, as weaponized nostalgia, as mm. Manchester United harking back to an era that no longer exists, trying to recapture it with OGS referring to Fergie as the gaffer the whole time. I don't think he ever saw himself as in charge at Manchester United. He was merely a steward of the legacy mm. of Sir Alex Ferguson. And I think sometimes 
you got to be your own man and you got to part with the past. And we've seen Fergie's interference with Manchester United since he departed. In, uh, what was it, 2011, 2012? Yeah, or 2013, I think. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, it, seems, it seems like an eternity ago, but he's still apparently influencing signings like Cristiano Ronaldo's return and uh, rocking up for a quote-unquote suit fitting at Carrington. Uh, but his presence looms over everything that the club does. And they can't seem to shake it. And by appointing one of his former charges, someone who clearly uh, holds him in such high esteem, I don't think that's helped the the transition for Manchester United into a new era. Obviously, OGS is uh, a symptom of the problem at United and not the cause. I don't have any ill will towards him as a person or anything. He just clearly wasn't up to the job and didn't know how to fit the talented squad into a coherent game plan. He had a lot of chances. He had a lot of second chances. Uh, you know, I don't think he's been hard done by whatsoever. Uh, he's obviously very upset with the way things have gone and it's emotional for him to leave. But that doesn't mean, you know, just because you like the guy, you should continue to employ him. Well, it's sort of a the similar thing. It's like imagine you're a boss of a company and you've got a guy who's just not performing, but he's mm. like the, the number one guy for culture and everyone just loves him because, you know, he brings muffins into work on a Monday and yeah, he's shouts great, great everyone coffee. The, great around the office. Yeah, great around the water favorite. cooler. Yeah, but just doesn't get the job done when mm. it comes to the KPIs. And that is literally Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to a T. Um, yeah. I mean, when you think about when he first came in, he was an interim boss, similar sort of strategy Manchester United employed at about the same time of the season when Jose Mourinho was sacked and they brought Ole in just to steady things and he went on that run and everyone kind of lost their minds and it was a bit of this fantasize that you know Ole is the man Ole is at the wheel and but I think this the issues at Manchester United run so much deeper than just Ole Gunnar Solskjaer it's really from the top you know it's the it's not a football club as Louis van Gaal and Jose Mourinho both said when they left mm. the club this is a this is a corporate entity that are just thinking about you know social media metrics and getting as many dollars as they can the director the, of football is a banker exactly and these replacement at the end of the season is not going to be that much better when Edward word leaves who I think same's Rob Rob young I think that's top of my head this to think comes from the same yeah. uh, school of operators as Ed Woodward he's so. the same guy that said when Odie Nagalo signs that Manchester United are number one trend on Twitter right now. It doesn't matter for what reason as Odion Igalo <laughs> was and what the, you know, the reaction he was getting on social media for his signing. Um, that's what they look at. And they looked at, you know, they boasted. I remember seeing so many posts on social media, especially on LinkedIn, you know, Manchester United have smashed social media uh, metrics with the announcement of Cristiano Ronaldo's return. But in reality, when you look at it from an on-field standpoint, Cristiano Ronaldo, as much as he scored goals, is roots to some of their issues in attack. But whoever takes over... Has got is taking over a squad that is severely imbalanced. Mm. From you know they've got some good good players. Don't get me wrong, this is a very talented team, but there's a big pitfall in the middle, and that's the midfield for them. And they haven't addressed it. Um, it found it felt kind of fitting that Donny Van der Beek scored the final goal of the Oligon Solskjaer <laughs> era. Um, considering that, you know, whoever takes over would be looking at him and probably hoping if you've got an element of having Donny van der Beek at your disposal that he's a central part of what happens with this team going forward. But I'm curious, you know, what happens from here? Because who's going to take over for six months after Michael Carrick gets, you know, has his try? And then who's going to want to take over at the end of the season? Because Conte's now gone. Um, as he's, he's now, you know, been snapped up by Spurs. And it seems like Maurizio Pochettino apparently is interested by the role at the end of the season. But there's something in between. There's still six months of football before that. Maybe Michael Carrick will be the man to lead United into the 21st century finally. I mean, it, look, 
I I'm hoping that the club doesn't get sucked in by the inevitable new manager bounce. Mm. Uh, are we going to see Rio Ferdinand saying, you know, Carrick's at the wheel? Are we going to get a Gary Neville handshake asking him where he wants his trophy built? I think that was a big part of the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer reign, the sort of propaganda machine that he mm. had around him of his own ex-teammates who felt either like they couldn't criticise him or were blinded by their own relationship yep. with him. Uh, and that that affected the discourse around the team. Uh, you mentioned Donny van der Beek. In the end, he became something of a lightning rod for criticism uh, uh, of Solskjaer. He became a little microcosm of all the problems at Manchester United, all these expensive new toys. You buy a guy for 30, 40 million pounds and you have no plan for how to deploy him. Yep. And so every time he came on, he was uh, greeted with rapturous applause from the home supporters in the dying days of the Solskjaer reign. Mm not because of his performances, but because of what he represented as a good player who was being wasted. Yeah. And maybe a new manager will be able to incorporate him and Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba into the same midfield. I don't think anyone can. But that's if Pogba's there next season. Yep. That's the whole, that's the other elephant in the room. Is he going to be there next year for whoever takes over as the long-term new head coach? I'm not sure, even sure if, if uh, Donny van der Beek and Bruno Fernandes are compatible in the same midfield. No. And because that's, they kind of play the same position, very different mm. interpretations of that position. Uh, but van der Beek's most successful spell at Ajax was as, as the most advanced of a midfield three who had the freedom to break into the box late. Yeah. And the timing of those runs and his ability to uh, interpret space off the ball and find the right gap in the mm. defense and even move a team around when he didn't receive yeah. it was uh, outstanding. And he took a lot of pressure off Fran- Frankie de Jong at the base of the midfield by dragging players away from him and enabling him to get into 1v1 situations where he could just dribble past people and open up the whole pitch. Bruno Fernandes is a very demanding player. It's only he because the he's, ball, the second, yeah. he's the secondary ego in the team uh, that you know people are focusing on Ronaldo. But I think Fernandes on the pitch uh, affects the team in, in similar ways because he's always demanding the ball. It's so much throughput. It's everything mm. through him. He's always trying risky passes. He's always trying to play the killer pass. And that affects your build-up play quite significantly. Um, so as long as Ronaldo and Fernandez start, I'm not saying they're not good players, but the the team dynamic is quite clearly affected by those two and other midfielders aren't able to exert as much influence over the team. Well, you remember all those warnings when Ronaldo signs, like Fernandez and Ronaldo have mm. never been compatible playing for Portugal. There was always everyone saying they can't play together. And, and you seem to say the yeah. Portuguese national team. Yeah, well, that, that's that's what I was alluding to. Like at the, in the national team, they have never been mm. able to play together. Watching them at the Euros, it looked like... You I know, mean, good luck, good, good luck in the playoffs, Portugal. <laughs> well, you know? uh, yeah, it depends who they come up against. Yeah. But, I mean, that they're, they're facing their own issues. But for Manchester United going forward, forward I think this is an interesting six months that they've got to start making decisions as to who's going to be there beyond that period and someone they've got to have an idea of who's going to be there and who's not mm. um I wouldn't be surprised if van der Beek's gone in January because I think he'd just be fed up and want to get some regular minutes because well, it depends if, he, if Carrick uses him but that's not. but that's the thing it's it's a month he's got a month now to kind of make that decision but he might have already mentally checked out and might have thought I'd I've already got a guarantee in January to go somewhere and I'm going to start every week. There would be teams lining up and not just, you know, small mid-table Premier League sides like a, an Everton or an Aston Villa and say, come on, come down and play for six months. They'd be good teams. Like, I think Juventus are, are interested in him. I know that uh, Barcelona are interested in him. Tottenham should be. Tottenham, 100%. Um, there will be teams lining up for his signature, but... 
it's going to be an interesting six months and to see who lands as that manager, whether Maurizio Pochettino finally becomes the Manchester United manager because it's felt like he's been linked to that job for so long. Back to his days at Tottenham, you know, long before he even left, it's felt like it was inevitable that at some point Maurizio Pochettino was going to end up as the replacement for either Jose Mourinho or Louis van Gaal. But now it could actually happen because it has kind of felt like with Pochettino at PSG Mm. that he wasn't going to stick around for a long time. It's yeah. like, I'm kind of here because I, I need something to do. Like, I need a job. And, you know, PSG offered me a position, but it's never felt like his heart's really been in it from the start. And maybe the Manchester United project is very – it's it's an appealing project. You know, you get the opportunity to pick up a, a giant of world football and mould the team in your image. And I then you just, get a payout six months later. Absolutely. <laughs> and if it sacked. doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But, hey, it would be, he'd be the best manager they've hired since Sir Alex in terms of what he could bring. Because Mourinho, yeah. I mean – at the time, you think about Louis van Gaal came off that amazing 2014 World Cup with the Dutch, but then in that, you know, he wasn't really compatible. And to be honest, that relationship at Manchester United was doomed from the word go. And Jose Mourinho, his magic had already run out by the time he took over. So I think this would be a good appointment for them. But other than that, the options aren't necessarily that great. Pochettino, I think, would be a good appointment. I'm not sure if he has a track record of dealing with uh, star players that well and incorporating them into his game plan. Mm. I don't think it's quite working at PSG at the moment. No. Um, I think there are trade-offs there, whoever the manager is. Uh, we've seen with Thomas Tuchel how you know he had a mixed success at PSG and some high-profile uh, yeah. falling outs and so forth and uh, some midfield selections that were clearly compromises. And then when he goes to Chelsea and he's got a more cohesive group, He's flying. Uh, with Pochettino, it may well be the same, but his Tottenham sides, everybody put in a shift. Yep. And how is the new manager going to deal with the ego dynamic with Ronaldo? Are they going to have the pulling power to be able to drop him and get away with that? Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if Pochettino has that kind of stature. One manager who would, I think, is uh, Zinedine Zidane because yeah. he's he's proven he can work with Ronaldo and build a team to uh, sort of... Uh, I guess, mitigate his shortcomings as a player. Mm. Uh, but he also had some of the best midfielders in the world yeah, behind Luka him. And, and also Zinedine yeah. Zidane, I see his name in every tabloid article every time the Manchester United job is mentioned. He doesn't speak English. No. So I can't see him taking that role on. Yeah. I think that's unlikely. I think he's destined to become France manager after the 2022 World Cup. Yeah. So uh, I, I think Pochettino would be an improvement on what's been there since Ferguson left, but I don't think it's a slam dunk appointment. I don't think it's a guarantee yeah. of success when Ronaldo is still kind of running everything at Manchester United. His influence looms large both in a tactical sense and in a personality sense. But He's also, bigger than the club. Absolutely. And this is now the interesting point you mentioned about Pochettino and then Zidane after that. There's not really anyone else that screams as if they're they're, they're it. Like, there's mm. someone that's actually available right now because everyone else, all the big names have been snapped up right now. It's not like there's a, a pool of managers lining up and it's not like there's a manager, you know, at a mid-table team in the, Premier, in the Premier League or in the other league that's screaming out to be appointed. The only other manager, this is left field and he's just picked up a new job. This is more just because I'd love to see him at a big club would be Roberto De Zerbi because uh, I would love to see him. Does he speak him. English? I know, maybe not, but... <laughs> 
I tell you what, he's a bloody good manager. He's, he's great he's done fun, great but there's no but way the executives at Manchester United no, even, even know who this Roberto is fantasy booking right is. Here, Josh, this is fantasy booking. <laughs> it would be fun, but it would be great. And there'd be a lot of people, I think, in the uh, the the football hipster community that would be like 100. percent Yeah, yes. but there would be an even bigger community of people doing the Snoop Dogg meme and going, "Who?" Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love the guy, but he's not ready for Manchester United. Not okay. even close. 